So a couple, uh, just a couple uh, knowledge points about the Church of Smyrna. First point, it is the location of modern-day Izmar in Turkey. Smyrna was a Roman city. It was nicknamed Port of Asia because it was an uh, excellent harbor on the Aegean Sea. The church in this city struggled against two hostile forces. A Jewish population strongly opposed the believers of the Lord Jesus and a non-Jewish population that was loyal to Rome and supported emperor worship. And only emperor worship was allowed. All other religions, except Judaism, was banned in this particular city. And Smyrna was one of only two letters Jesus wrote, which contained no rebuke or criticism at all. And the reason I say that Jesus wrote, and we know that John was the uh, author of Revelations, but in the tone of the of this particular message to the churches, it is very obvious that this is coming from the Lord. It is directly His wording, His instructions, His corrections to particular churches. So that's why I say that Jesus wrote. And it seems that from the context that the primary purpose of this letter was to encourage the people as they face persecution. So read with me starting uh, with verse 8. To the angel of the church of Smyrna write, These are the words of him who is the first and the last, who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Whoa, kind of harsh, huh? And that that kind of caught my attention, and I wanted to look that look into that. What is what does the Lord mean when He says synagogue of Satan? That's kind of uh, specific, right? He uses very specific terms. He says synagogue, and he says Satan. And what I what I came up with is the synagogue that Satan say they are Jews. The people of God. So they're claiming to be God's people. And they persecute those who believe in Jesus the Messiah. Who are the true people of God. According to God. By their persecution of the true people of God. These unbelieving Jews have become a synagogue of Satan. A gathering of people who are actually following the devil's priorities. So what he's saying is, you set yourself up as a body of worship, hence the word synagogue, right? Of being a church, but you're not my church. And the reason you're not my church, 
because you're not about my father's business. You're not about my priorities. You're about other priorities. And I've said this before, and I, I think it bears repeating that we're either about God's business or other business. <laughs> There's no in-between. It's the Lord's business or other business. I'll just put it that way. And those aren't my words or my uh, revelations. Those are coming from God's word. Amen? So continuing on, verse 10, it says, Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. Ouch, Lord. <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of not good news, right? <laughs> On the surface of it. So a point actually it's more of a question that I want to pose to you brothers and sisters. What happens when doing good results when doing good results in suffering? Remember, as I said, sir, and I researched this. Matter of fact, me and uh, Pastor Dave talked about this at length. About because I was under the impression at one time that Philadelphia was the only church that Jesus had no rebuke for. But as I researched this and looked into it, he had nothing. He had no rebukes for Smyrna either. He didn't say they were doing that. He didn't say I have this against you. I have this. But he kind of just goes into it and says, you're going to suffer. <laughs> and it's going to come hard. It's going to f- come fast. So what, how do you deal with it when you're doing what you're supposed to be doing? You're coming to Sunday services. You're lifting your hands if you're about that. Or you're you know, singing out. Or you're praising. Or whatever you're doing. And you're paying your tithes. And... You're a good Bible-believing, church-going man or woman of God, checking all the boxes, and life still happens, and happens harshly. How do you handle that? How do we deal with that? Any thoughts? Yeah, it reminds me, and I've, I think I've shared this with you before. The first time when I finally, after 25 years at that time, accepted a pastoral position, because God forgive me, I never wanted to be a pastor. I didn't want to be recognized as a pastor. I didn't want pastor responsibilities. I didn't want to deal with church politics. I didn't want to, because I've been on enough boards and stuff saying, nah, this ain't for me. I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to have to make those kind of decisions. I don't want to be the front person when I know myself. <laughs> and I know I don't measure up to be having any title that has anything to do with any kind of righteousness or holiness. Amen? You should amen to that. <laughs> so when I finally accepted and my first time in the pulpit of that church... 
just as I was going to get up, you know, normally as I do here, just as I stood up and got ready to take the pulpit for the first time, I was introduced. It was a nice introduction, and, you know, church had mixed feelings about, you know, the choice of me as a pastor there, but yeah, Dave knows. But that got worked out in time. God figured all that out. But as I was walking up, God spoke to me, and he told me, you are going to be attacked more fiercely and directly than you've ever been before. If you take this mantle, if you take this for me, this is going to happen. And he even told me where it was going to come through, and it was going to come through somebody I loved dearly. And I realized they were going to suffer because the attack was going to come to me through them. And I'll be honest, for a few moments I thought, well, I ain't going to do this. <laughs> I ain't getting up. I want to sit right back down. I'm good. It's all right. <laughs> and then God spoke to me again. And <clears throat> very simply, do you trust me? Do you believe this is from me? Do you believe I have your best interests at heart? Do you believe I'll protect you? Do you believe I'll sustain you? You have this calling because you speak it. You preach it. But do you really believe it? Are you willing to prove yourself to me? Are you willing to prove yourself to yourself? of what you believe. So a few things that I've, I've learned in my journey uh, from that time to the time I'm standing before you now. And one of those things is I've learned and we should learn that God's perfect plan does not always equate with our perceived results. Did you hear me? Just because we have an idea of how things should go, God's plan doesn't always equal that, doesn't always coincide with that. And it's been my experience, a lot of times his plans will just blow my plans out of the water. What I thought I would do, where I thought I would be at this point in my life, and one time I didn't even think I'd be at this point in my life. I remember one time, uh, one of my dear friends, and I believe he's come here before, Miller Fong, he said to me when we were having lunch, he said, when you were 17, did you even imagine that you would be a pastor and you would be doing all the things you do for God? And I told Miller, when I was 17, I didn't imagine being 18. <laughs> That's where my life was. And I never imagined standing in front of a congregation like this. <laughs> I never imagined that I would be called and used to speak God's word in the manner I do. I imagine I'd be making a lot of money by now. I'd be, you know, 
uh, I would have you know, probably been retired from FedEx with full benefits, and I had a whole different plan. <laughs> but my daughter through college, and I had this whole life figured out differently. And I'll be honest, when it wasn't adding up the way I thought it was, it was a little bumpy sometimes. I wasn't always happy with God. They're like, como dices? <laughs> What's this all about, Lord? Why? <laughs> Why can others just live normal lives and, and be happy and blessed and fulfilled? Why do I gotta have this road? <laughs> but you know what? I wouldn't trade it for anything. I wouldn't trade anything to be where I am right now. But it took a while to get there. <laughs> it didn't happen overnight. And I'm not just telling you this because this is just my own experience. And the Bible always backs up what is truth, right? So if you, you don't have to turn there. But in the book of Galatians, chapter 6 and verse 9, it tells us, it, it instructs us, let's not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Amen? Do you believe that? Do you believe all you have to do is not give up? Just hold on. Amen? Hold on. Hold on. Slap your neighbor and tell him, hold on. No, don't, don't, don't slap him. Don't slap him. <laughs> I get carried away sometimes. I forget what churches I'm in. <laughs> but tell your neighbor, hold on. That's all you got to do. But now the, the tricky part of that is what are you holding on to? I, I like my young people. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> They're good. <man. laughs> they make it feel like I'm preaching. Man. <laughs> but you got to know what you're holding on to, Right? Because our default is what? Hold on to loved ones, hold on to our, our uh, resources, hold on to our finances. Long as that's, and I used, to, I used to say that, well, as long as I got income, as long as I, I'm okay, I could deal with all the other stuff. And God took the income. <laughs> as long as I have this, I'm okay, and then God took that. As long as I have this, and God took that. Temporarily, you know, but he, he, he was teaching me something. And when I learned that what I have to hold on to is God's promises. It's very simple. And I know I tend to be a very simplistic preacher, but that's how I see it. It's not rocket science to me. It's not that hard to figure out. It's not that difficult. Because Jesus wasn't speaking to rocket scientists. He didn't preach, you know, only to the learned and to the biblically or scripturally uh, literate. He spoke to those that never heard before. And yet it would make sense. And why did it make sense? Because it was truth. Amen? And one of the things that I realized in this journey, which I'm, I'm, uh, I'm equating with, uh, the church of Smyrna 
Because I would imagine when they first got that letter, <laughs> they weren't too happy about it. <laughs> right? Nobody wants to hear that you're, you're, you're going to suffer persecution. You're going to be attacked. That couldn't have been good news to them. So I imagine they had to go through some, you know, encouraging one another, figuring it out, going back to the scriptures, hanging on to promises, uh, having the Holy Spirit minister and encourage them. But one of the things I've learned, and I believe they came to, if they did, you know, if they did hold on to Jesus, ask them to, is that we cannot see ourselves with a victim mentality. Because let's be honest, that's what happens sometimes, right? Why me? (laughs) Why are you doing this to me, Lord? What did I do to deserve this? How come it don't happen to them? (laughs) And it's happening to me. That ain't fair. Right? I've said this before, and I think it bears repeating. We need to get fair out of our... uh, all of our language when it comes to God. Because God is incapable of unfairness. And the reason for that is because God sets a standard. <laughs> there is only in his way. The world equates fairness, what's, what's right, what's wrong, but it's only, God is always righteous, always right, always just, always loving. So he's inca- incapable of being unfair. Because he's only fair. He sets what the bar of fairness is. Amen? So in the book of Romans, uh, chapter 8, verses 31 through 39, it says, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Jesus, Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? And I can imagine the church of Smyrna going to what was written (laughs) and going over the scriptures and realizing hopefully that they will be okay. And you know, as I was researching this, 
And, you know, we, we all know that we are more than conquerors, we like to say. We like, we like to march under that banner a lot of times and onward Christian soldiers, right, marching us off to war and all that good stuff. But, you know, one thing that I've, I've learned in my journey is we don't actually march off to war. We don't have to, we're not embattled. Jesus won the battle. <laughs> Amen. So sometimes we, we're thinking we got to fight, we got to fight. No. We just got to get a hold of ourselves. <laughs> we got to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves, right? And we do that, how? By the word of God, amen? That's the only thing that can check us. <laughs> Nothing else can check us. And if we check ourselves, we're going to check the wrong boxes, I guarantee you. Because I check the wrong ones all the time. It's not till I read the word that, whoop, I was wrong. <laughs> I misread that, or I didn't have enough understanding and enough revelation of it at that point, and now I'm seeing it differently. So that, that saying, more than conquerors, I always thought that meant we, we're, we're better conquerors than other conquerors, right? We conquer better, we conquer stronger. We conquer more completely. No, it means we are more. We don't have to conquer. We're above that because we follow the conqueror. Amen? It may be, it may be enlightening to some of you. I don't know if you've heard this for the first time. I hope not. And, in, and in, in that revelation, in that understanding, what I realized was the world, conquering is a world concept. And the world con- has conquest to dominate. That's the whole purpose, right? To have dominion over somebody, to have power over something or somebody, to be in charge, to be leading, to be, have others subjected under them. But God has conquests to share his love. That's why he conquers. That's what Jesus came to conquer, right? Sin, death, the grave, right? And why is that? To share God's love. These things were done to prove God is who he says he is. He will do all he promised to do. And he is more than able. He is more than capable. Do we believe that? Really? Do we? Yes, Lord. Amen. Where, where we really know if we believe it is when it comes time to test it. If we act like we believe it. Right? If we not only talk the talk, walk the walk. Amen. So we're never better than this world. And I'm not saying, and that's why I said God conquers the love. God doesn't conquer so we can have dominion. Oh, look at those non believers, man. They don't know. They, no, they don't know. But that's not to our glory. 
That's to our responsibility. They don't know because we ain't told them. <laughs> or they don't know because we ain't showed them. Now, we can't change them. That's all the Holy Spirit. And that's not our responsibility. But it's our responsibility to live in front of them like we believe what I'm talking about today. So remember, we're never better than the world. And I can say that again by Scripture because God loved the world. That he sent Jesus so God loves the whole world, believers and non-believers. God's love is unconditional, has no boundaries. And he loved them so much that he has us to live in front of them. So as many as possible will come to know him and know who he is, what he's about, and what he can do. Amen? So always remember, we are not better than the world. We just have better. We have better than the world. That doesn't make us better. And going back to Romans, verse 10. Therefore, whenever we have opportunity, I mean, not Romans, Galatians. Therefore, whenever we have opportunity, we should... Do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. Amen? We all, we all agree with that? Do good to everyone. Love your neighbor. Treat everybody respectfully. Pray for those who use you. And that's a whole sermon itself, and I'm going into that. But I will ask you a question here. It says to do good. How do we know we're doing good? What is our limits to? How do we know? What do we base on if we're doing good? Because again, the world has its own standards of what's good, right? They'll treat treat everybody respectfully. Don't judge. Don't uh, uh, don't look down on people. Don't don't disparage others. Eat your vegetables. Whatever it is, right? The world has certain standards, but what are God's standards? Where we really know that if we're following this, we're doing good. I, I know somebody w- one time said we should never, uh, uh, never uh, refer back to a previous sermon. Uh, but those of you who know me, I'm not a conventional preacher in any way, shape, or form. So I don't follow any of the rules or guidelines. I don't even follow what I learned in Bible college. I don't do three-part sermons, and I don't do anything the way that you're supposed to do it. Amen? So I will refer back. And I would say one of these ways, do you guys remember your three R's? Anybody remember them? Pastor Dave gave them last week. I almost heard it. Exactly. Remember, repent, and return. Amen? And I'm not going to go into unpacking that because Dave already did. If you don't remember, shame on you. (laughs) 
you need to you need to look back up last week's sermon because he did a great job of explaining that. So, and the reason that I'm that I'm I'm I know sometimes it might sound like it sounds to me when I'm saying it. Sometimes I don't know what I'm going to say. I'm listening to it as it's coming out. And I know sometimes it sounds like a repeat, repeat, repeat. But that's what God wants me to do. You know, there was a there was a story I heard once that whenever I've said it in church, usually the congregation doesn't appreciate it, but I'm going to say it anyway. There was this preacher that came to to town. You know, church needed a new new pastor, and they appointed this uh, young individual and his family. And they he came and uh, he brought life into. And his first sermon was just powerful. It was on fire, and the congregation was all excited about. Yes, we got us a real powerful young preacher. And afterwards, they're saying that was great. You know. Thank you, Pastor, you know, and they greeted him. And so next Sunday rolled around and he got up in the pulpit and he preached the exact same sermon. And like, oh well, he's new, you know, maybe he didn't have time to prepare a lot, and we'll give him a pass on this one. So the next Sunday he comes and he preaches the exact same sermon again. And now, you know, the elders and then they're they get a little, you know, off put and say, We we gotta talk to this pastor. So they go to them, don't you prepare? I mean, how come it's exactly the same message, you know, for three Sundays in a row? He goes, oh. He goes, I kept repeating the same message because I didn't see that you heard me the first three times. <laughs> Amen? Now, I'm not saying that's why I'm repeating. <laughs> I'm just saying this is what God's telling me to do. Amen? But one thing that I am intentional about, and that's having you understand God's word and God's purposes as much as possible, as much as I understand them. Because for me to have knowledge and not pass it on is pretty wasteful. And I want you to to be able to, I mean, be a blessing, you know, be more than conquerors. For Christ, make a difference in people's lives. You know, I, I never discussed this with Dave, but my my life group knows I had I, I I speak to them sometimes about where God is leading me in the Bible, and that's how we got into John and in uh, Romans because God was having me go through the Book of Romans, and then after Romans, He had me going into Revelations. And I was into Revelations a lot, and particularly with the churches, because I was trying to understand that. And one of the things that God was impressing me on was preparation, preparing, preparing myself and preparing those that are coming uh, after me. And I don't know when Jesus is coming. I mean, I know there's timelines and there's certain things that are, need to happen in the Middle East and Europe that haven't happened yet. So I don't know if it's any time soon. I had a friend at work who was more than, you know, he was my friend out of work too, and he used to call me his pastor. And we came from similar backgrounds, and, 
You know, he is a beautiful brother in the Lord. And before we, and he was my manager. But before we started our day, every day before we got on the clock, we would have a little Bible study. About seven in the morning, we would get together. And he really liked going over revelations. And we would talk about that in other scriptures, Isaiah and Ezekiel and all those. And I remember he used to tell me, you know, I really feel that I'm going to be here when, when, when Jesus returns. I just feel that so strong in my spirit. And then he passed away that year. So what I'm saying is we don't know. <laughs> don't matter what we feel, what we think. What, but what we do know that he is coming. And we do know there will be persecutions. We know it won't be as easy to assemble as a church someday as it is today. If you don't know that, you need to wake up, need to get woke to that church, because it is coming someday. I don't know if it'll be our day. I don't know if I'll live to see it. I don't know if you'll live to see it. But somebody's going to live to see it. (laughs) Amen. Somebody's children, somebody's grandchildren. And... What really has been impressed upon me, what God has been impressing upon me is as the word gets diluted through, and if you don't think it is, just start watching TV. Go online, start listening to how the church is portrayed. And even some that call themselves the church what they're standing about, what they're preaching, and I'm not going to judge or anything. I'm just saying, when I read my Bible and I listen to their messages, it's not lining up. That's all I'm going to say. But if this continues without no correction, and I'm not saying to rebuke or attack them, but without the true church of Jesus Christ standing up for his truth and speaking the gospel as is meant to be spoken, rightly discerning the word, then what's going to happen to the next generations, next generation, next generations, right? They get a more diluted form of it. They get more influenced by the world's precepts and concepts than the generations before. Amen? So what I'm saying to you, church, is we are the generation. Amen? They need to say, Yavastas, enough is enough. Amen? We're not having it. We're not standing for it. We're not going to attack because we're more than conquerors. We don't need to attack. We just need to stand. Amen? We need to hold on. We need to stand fast, and we need to know what we're standing fast on. And that's the word of God. But one more thing that you might not like. You can't stand fast on the word of God unless you know the word of God. (laughs) Amen? And you can't know the word of God unless you're reading the word of God, unless you're studying the word of God, unless you're in prayer over the word of God, unless you're you're letting the Holy Spirit reveal the word of God to you. Because as good as my messages are, and as good as Pastor Dave's preaching is, that's not enough. (laughs) Amen? That is not enough. That gives you a placeholder, that gives you a place to, 
to jump off from. But Sundays ain't enough, brothers and sisters. You got to be on it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then Sunday, confirmation comes when you hear the word and say, oh, that's what God was speaking to me. I was actually reading that scripture. When you start to have that, then you know, okay, I'm in line with God. I'm in line with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't speak against itself. Amen? Amen? So last point. What I've learned, and I said it, but I'm just going to put it on the, on the screen. It's the last slide. So you can see it. Living out my faith as a born-again, spirit-filled disciple of Jesus Christ means to continually be learning what a relationship with him is and passing on that knowledge. Amen? Slap your neighbor and say, pass it on. (laughs) I'm passing it on. Amen? Praise God. Let's pray. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, I thank you so much. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your everything you are. I thank you for my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for Father God, and for everything he means to me and he means to all of us. And we thank you and praise you and pray to you in Jesus' name. Amen.